It's been said, we're never more like the devil than when we lie. Today, we see lies on social media, in public education, our government, news outlets, and from many of the pulpits in our churches. And maybe this explains why our society doesn't seem to know the difference between hell and heaven, and maybe why some are resembling more of the former and not the latter. It also might help us better explain why our kids think the way that they think, feel the way they feel, and act the way that they act. Today, we'll be talking with Rosaria Butterfield about her book, Five Lies of Our Anti-Christian Age. That's next on Licensed to Parent. Hi, I'm Michelle Hill, and I'm glad you joined us for another episode of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a year-long, Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host, Trace Embry, is the founder of Shepherds Hill and also the author of The Miracles of Shepherds Hill. Our goal on Licensed to Parent is to take what we're learning each day at Shepherds Hill and share it with you so that you can be better prepared to raise your kids in a way that honors God. You know, Trace, you talk about how America's culture, in a very real sense, can actually serve as another parent to our kids. That doesn't sound like a good thing at all. Can can you flesh that out for us a little bit? Yeah, uh, well, it's never been a good thing for the people of God to take their life cues or worldview from the culture they live in, much less to allow any culture um, be their child's, what I would call the other parent, because in too many cases, it's not another parent, it's the other parent. Mm-hmm. But some cultures come closer to mirroring a biblical worldview than others. And until recently, America has always been pretty unique in the sense that our culture largely adhered to what is commonly thought of as a biblical worldview, though, of course, still far from perfectly, uh, but close enough to get dangerously comfortable with it. And since the 60s, getting comfortable with it has cost us dearly. Uh, the slippery slope of postmodernism, relativism, uh, fueled by affluence, believe it or not, uh, has now culminated into the logical outworking of what got started back in the 60s. Today we're getting uh, what three or four generations of Americans have been craving ever since, and even the church has folded like an umbrella to way too much of it. Now under the digital age, uh, as parents blindly, naively, and or sadly sometimes willingly, with blessing, give their kids unfettered access to the systemic spiritually and mentally ill culture we all helped create via smartphones. That's when culture can become the other parent. And uh, this cultural parent is a very permissive and deceptive parent. Uh, Though very cool in the eyes of of the naive kids who are equipped with wholly undeveloped hearts and minds to handle what culture in a box brings their way 24-7, 365. And what is the definition of culture again? Are the ideas, institutions, and interactions that help a people group know how to think, feel, and act. Uh, you mentioned it in your opening a little bit. Uh, so I say mission accomplished, Silicon Valley. Well, we're definitely going to be talking about some of that today on Licensed to Parent. Our guest is Rosaria Butterfield. She is a pastor's wife, homeschool mom, author, and speaker. She's also a former tenured professor of English and women's studies at Syracuse University, converted to Christ in 1999 in what she describes as a train wreck. Rosaria is passionate about hospitality and welcoming people into her home, and you can bet that those people she welcomes in, they're probably served some coffee, which, (laughs) huh, 
I'm going to have to make a trip over to Rosaria's <laughs> house. Welcome, Rosaria. Thank you, Michelle and Trace. I'm very happy to be here with you today. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on the Licensed Parent Broadcast. I don't know how you didn't get here before this, but uh, uh, before I ask you to touch on the five lies you talk about in your book, I want to first ask you this. From the little bit I've read of it, your your book is spot on. Uh, My concern is that it's so full of logic, so full of objective truth, so Mm -hmm. full of common sense, Mm -hmm. and so scientifically and biblically sound that it just might be beyond the intellectual and spiritual capacity of those who, need, who really need to read it most. What would you like to say to those of us who, largely through our idolatrous love affairs with smartphones, have now allowed our contemporary culture to compromise logic, warp objective mm-hmm. truth, redefine common terms, mm-hmm. eradicate common sense, defy biology and science at large, and would equate the Bible mm-hmm. with a comic book? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, Trace, at that point, I might just have to get my spanking spoon out. I think that's quite a laundry list. Um, So I am one mere mortal. And when I write a book, I have a particular audience in mind. And if other people want to listen in, they're, they're welcome to do that. But really, my audience are the parents of, um, you know, I think the parents that I'm probably speaking to right now, parents who are very concerned for their children Mm -hmm. and maybe parents who have raised their children in the faith and they've become prodigals or parents who have just now come to Christ and um, want to know what to do with some of the habits and and, and worldviews that they had once promoted. And so I'm a, I'm a Christian. My, that means my life's, quite frankly, a mess in so many ways, but I serve a God who isn't. Um, he measures up for me. Um, so wherever you are right now, this is a good time uh, to repent and believe. But hopefully the book was written with enough clarity and enough footnotes that you can have a foothold as you're working your way through this, because um, I know that these lies are vicious and mm. I once believed every single one of them. Mm-hmm. So I also know they are seductive. So hopefully uh, we can start there with the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And that's, uh, that's the bottom line right there. Do you feel your book could be a, a, a bonding tool and or a healing agent between parents who still have their wits about them, and their teenagers who may have bought into so much of what our culture has been cramming down their throats? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and in fact, the book's caused a lot of dust up, and there are people who hate it with a pure hatred, and that's okay, too. Um, but the people who have, um, who, for whom it resonates are parents who are desperately trying to hang on, often just through prayer, really, because of the blackmail and the difficulty of, uh, that our culture has posed right now um, to their prodigal children. And, and I have an appendix in the back uh, that is specifically dedicated to how to stay connected to your child without becoming indoctrinated. But again, the, the audience really is Christians. And I'm going to say, I thought I was writing to Christian women, to moms and grandmas, who had written to my website over the years and had said things like, Rosaria, I go to a church and they say, we need to major on the majors, but they don't even mm. know what the majors are anymore. That's, that's, and that's right. Why 
if Christ isn't divided, why are Christians? And so I just really sat down. I'm an old, I, I'm both old in age and I'm a former professor. So I'm an old professor. And I sat down and I came up with three reasons that have unleashed five lies that have been in the world since the time of the garden, most of them, but now they are in the church. And part of why they're in the church mm. is that the church, um, the, the broad evangelical church, doesn't have a good strategy for a hostile world. We don't want to be hostile, but the current strategy of being a soft presence simply has made that we're carrying water for the other team. Well, well we're, we, we've bought into the cultural narrative, the secular cultural narrative, that it's the unpardonable sin to hurt anyone's feelings. And we've conflated hurt with harm. And so that has boomeranged in, in, uh, on us and, and shot us in the foot. But Trace, let me tell you that it isn't just this kind of like psychological, you know, stupidity that has caused that. Mm -hmm. um, in the 2015 uh, Supreme Court decision, Bergefell versus Hodges, that's the Supreme Court decision that legalized gay marriage in all 50 states. It also included something called the Dignitary Harm Clause. And legally, the definition of harm in 2015 was changed. And that's why... And specifically what dignitary harm talks about is that if you are failing to honor, affirm, blah, 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 someone's LGBTQ plus dignity, you are now legally harming them. And that's why people are losing their jobs for not using fake pronouns. So we need to stop acting as though the issue is just in our head. It's actually in the law, which means from my perspective, Christians need a very healthy biblical doctrine of uh, political uh, disobedience along with, I mean, that's what I think. I mean, my denomination thrives on these things along with um, a doctrine that is dear to our denomination and it's called the mediatorial kingship of Christ. And that's where you go to school board meetings and you call the school board to repent of their, not only their personal sin, but their sin in their office, because Christ is an office bearer. Mm -hmm. He is the prophet, priest, and king. Now, I realize that what I've just said is very scary. So I'm just here to remind you that I'm a grandmother. I'm five foot two. Um, <laughs> I do speak at school board meetings. You get your three minutes. It's not unlike being a regular grown-up in your home. I mean, how many times have you walked into a room with a bunch of children and you've spoken for three minutes and all of a sudden everybody's crying? Okay, that's, that's what happens at the school board, only the children happen to be chronologically adults. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, praise, God has to do it. I praise God for the parents of Loudoun County, Virginia, who I think oh, gave yes. a, a little bit of yeah. uh, uh, courage uh, to the, the rest of us, some have yet to act on it. But, you know, regardless of whether it's in law or not, our government's indicative of the hearts of the citizenry. And we, there's an old saying, we get the government we deserve. Fletcher uh, said that, let me write the songs of any nation. I don't care who creates their laws. And, and what that means is we, we are more influenced by the arts and, uh, and things that it influence our culture, which filters into the law. It's not the other way around. That's kind of totalitarian attitude or pursuits or direction or whatever. So I think our government is indicative of where our hearts went. And I go back to what I said in the opening, the 1960s, when we, we bought into this sex, drugs, rock and roll, 
free this. Uh, you know, we, we we perverted a lot a lot of definitions, and and I think when you start breaking down the fundamentals of of reality, whether it's language or gender, you know. You're messing with God's ecosystem, and that never ends mm-hmm. well. And that's that's how mm-hmm. I see as, as to where we're at. We've, we've got to impact that. And I think the church, again, it's indicative of the fact that the church has dropped the ball. We are not to be microcosms of our culture. We're to be change agents to it. That's what we're creating here at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Well, today on Licensed to Parent, we are talking with Rosaria Butterfield about her book, Five Lies of Our Anti-Christian Age. We'll be back with more Licensed to Parent right after this. Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis, is celebrating 20 years of ministry. There have been many distractions in our work through the years as a result of a four-lane highway that divided our land. As a result, plans are underway to develop a whole new campus designed to improve our students' therapeutic experience away from the highway noise, along with up-to-date infrastructure and staff offices, all to help smooth out the day-to-day operations. The five-year, two-phase plan will begin with a new dining hall, followed by two new school buildings, also containing a new studio for licensed to parent. Please consider partnering with us, building together a new and improved Shepherd's Hill Academy. Learn more and make your gift today. Shepherdshillacademy.org slash building together. That's shepherdshillacademy.org slash building together. And thanks for helping us provide healing to teens in crisis. Hi folks, Trace Embry here, host of the Licensed to Parent broadcast and founder of Shepherd's Hill Academy. We've all heard about modern day miracles, mostly from mission fields. Frankly, I believed about half of them and experienced none of them until about 30 years ago. Christ truly became the Lord of my life. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill is a book that wasn't written as much as it was recorded. It's the true story of how God used a handshake, my family's last $200, and our 30-year odyssey of bumper-to-bumper miracles to acquire a 60-acre farm that was used by the devil and turned it into a 250-acre globally recognized healing ministry for God. I want all people to know that Jesus Christ is still in the miracle-working business for those submitted to his word, will, and way, and who properly understand what faith truly is. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill, an extraordinary odyssey of divine interventions by Trace Embry. Learn more at LicensedToParent.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. You can learn more about Shepherd's Hill by going to LicensedToParent.org. Today, we are talking with Rosaria Butterfield about her book, Five Lies of Our Anti-Christian Age. And before the break, Rosaria, you were talking about how these lies have been around since the garden. Like, they're nothing new. They're new as in um, people in the church are believing them, but they're nothing new. And and as I was reading your book, I kept thinking, like me as a 40-something, there have been many of these lies that I'm believing. And I'm sure that there's a lot of moms who are are listening right now and they're like, am I believing lies too? Like, it, there's just, I'm thinking that these lies have been infiltrated in our generations upon generations for a while. So help us understand what exactly these lies are. Yeah, absolutely. 
But before we can understand what these lies are, we need to understand the origin of these lies or what is holding, what's the glue behind them. So the first is that the, in, in general, and I'm speaking to the church, I expect the world mm-hmm. to be commandeered by mm-hmm. Satan and therefore to believe lies. But the church should know that the seeds of the gospel mm-hmm. are in the garden. You cannot unhitch the Old Testament from the New Testament. If you don't have Adam, you don't need Christ. Uh, seriously. You'd, so Genesis 127 is the heart of the matter for culture for the gospel and for humanity. And Genesis 127 is the, the, uh, the, the Bible verse that tells us that you are made in the image of God as a man or as a woman. And that that maleness and femaleness is ontological. You will be male and female either in the new Jerusalem if you are in Christ or suffering an eternity in hell. And no amount of transgender nonsense can change that. You can't mock God, that's the very good news. The second reason that these lies have such glue is that people don't know what time it is. They don't realize what has happened politically and socially and the, the teeth that these Supreme Court decisions have had on people's lives. Some of them don't realize that the Biden administration has changed what Title IX means so that uh, biological men can be in women's locker rooms and participate in women's sports. And some of them don't know that the Biden administration, following the Supreme Court decision Bostock in 2020, uh, has uh, created an anti-bullying legislation that puts transgender ideology in every single government school. And because it's an anti-bullying program, you can't exempt your children. Mm -hmm. And the Bostock decision in 2020 inserted LGBTQ plus as part of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. So those are big deals. And when I speak at school board meetings, I have met parents who have castrated their 14-year-old son because they believed all these things. And then the third reason is that it's a a real failure of love that in the church, we have failed to love our enemies. And instead, we've decided that it's enough to pretend that our enemies are our friends. And these three factors, I believe, have unleashed five lies that have always been in the world, and they're now in the church. The first lie is the lie that says homosexuality is normal. It's a normal sexual variance. The second lie is that being a spiritual person is kinder than being a biblical Christian. The third lie is that feminism is good for the church and the world. The fourth lie is that transgenderism is a normal gender variant for some people. And then the fifth lie is that modesty is an outdated burden It serves male dominance. It holds women from achieving the things they want to achieve in the world. Now, over the course of different centuries, these lies have flown under different um, names. This is what we call them today. But I, I go through each of those lies and I try to show my Christian reader that it is a sin to tell a lie, but it's also a sin to believe a lie. So if you believe these lies, that is indeed a sin. And so because I have believed all of these lies, the book begins with my repentance. 
uh, public repentance because I am a public figure. And so if I sin publicly, I need to repent publicly of uh, my the times that I have believed and promoted these lies. And I did that for years and years. So um, that's, the, that's the backbone. Uh, Rosaria, there, there are going to be a lot of people who are going to say, show me chapter and verse where believing a lie is a sin. <laughs> oh, um, that, I love that question. Mm-hmm. Let's go right to the garden. Mm-hmm. What was Eve's sin in the garden? Did she tell Satan a lie or did she believe the lie that Satan told her? Well, she, she did believe the lie, but she acted upon it. Uh, and yes, but you can't, but believing is also an action. That's a motion of your heart. Mm-hmm. That's why the 10th commandment speaks about coveting as a sin. It doesn't say coveting and then stealing or okay. coveting and then committing adultery. It just says coveting. So there's an entire commandment that is based on this principle and this problem that believing the wrong thing, and that is a motion of the heart, is indeed in and of itself a sin. It doesn't become a sin once you move your feet to it. You are sinning in your heart. I would just uh, encourage you to go to Romans 7 and try to understand what Paul is saying when he says, Mm -hmm. why do I do what I don't want to do? It is the law of sin in me. How did you get to a law of sin in me? Well, through original sin, Mm -hmm. which is itself condemnable. Yeah. So why is the LGBT plus agenda the threat to civilization that you and I understand it to be? Yeah, absolutely. Because it attacks the heart. I think for many, many years, people have been very focused on critical race theory and the various ways that that has introduced a Marxist ideology into culture and has really frayed the the structure of society. That's absolutely true. And I would say that's like a broken leg, which is really miserable if you've ever had one. Mm -hmm. But LGBTQ is an attack on the creation ordinance. That's like a fatal heart attack. And you know what? You can survive a broken leg. You can't survive a fatal heart attack. So to take God's definition of personhood and to say, I don't like it. I have a different one because my feelings dictate that is indeed attacking the very heart of what it means to be an image bearer of a holy God. And so, for example, let me just flesh this out if I may. We are made in the image of God as a man or as a woman. And we are made as an, in the image of God as a man or as a woman for creational purposes. That is God's pattern has a purpose. God isn't some mad engineer that creates a bridge to nowhere. And so there is no such thing as being made in the image of God as a gay person or as a trans person, because gay and trans come from the world, the flesh, and the devil. And over in Genesis 3, we learn that God has put enmity between a believer and these things. Enmity is one of the most powerful words in all of scripture. Enemies can be reconciled, but if you are at enmity with, with, with God, that just you just need to repent and be done with that. And so what we know about homosexuality and transgender is that all of those things are found in the flesh, they are forbidden in the law, and they are overcome in the Savior. Mm-hmm. But you cannot be made in the image of God as sin, because God is holy 
but there is great victory in Christ, I am here to testify that you do overcome these sins in the Savior. Mm-hmm. But the problem is the church has gone belly up. The That's church it. seems to, I mean, a broad, you know, many, many uh, avenues of the broad evangelical church believe that uh, you can redeem your homosexuality. You can either redeem it by allowing, quote unquote, gay people to marry, as um, Andy Stanley would say, or or just Does create he really say that? Please don't tell me he's really saying that. That's what he really said in his in that in that God-forsaken oh, conference that he you know promoted a few weeks ago. No, that's he he actually said that in in certain cases people cannot overcome their sin, and so the church should allow them to marry to show them grace. Now that is rank heresy. It's rank heresy. You don't bypass repentance to get to grace. Yeah, I I, I got to throw this one out, out at you here real quick. Why is it that Christians are pressured to accept, even embrace and celebrate a person's claim to be the opposite sex when all the empirical evidence betrays that notion just because he or she feels the opposite sex is genuinely living within them, regardless of how repulsive and insane that notion has always been to the vast majority of humans on the planet throughout history? Yet, when I claim to have the Spirit of God living in me with the empirical evidence of a transformed life that now has me adhering to the golden rule and squelching anything within me that would have anything but the greatest good in mind for my neighbor, I'm considered a nut job. Now, I'm just wondering how that works. That's right. Here's how it works. We are seeing the fruit of a passive Uh, effeminate Christianity, quote-unquote Christianity, that has unhinged the Old Testament from the New, that believes that there is no resurrection power in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's just a bunch of kind of therapeutic, you know, statements that have, you know, you need to empathize with people who have either a kind of phobia about their bodies which is almost like an anorexia rooted in a gender dysphoria, or for people who have been manipulated by the culture to believe that they are transgender, that your job is to empathize. And just the opposite is true. When somebody is in deep trouble like that and they are about to commit irreparable acts of self-harm, you are not to empathize, you are to sympathize. You are not to stand in their shoes, you're to stand on solid ground and throw them a rope. And that's exactly what the scriptures do. Mm -hmm. But that's how we know that Satan is all over this. Mm -hmm. So we need to defy the lies, obey the Lord, and um, drive these wolves out of our churches. What do you say? Amen. Amen. Rosaria, thank you so much for your ministry. Thank you for your words of truth. Thank you for writing this book. We are grateful to you. All the glory goes to God. Thank you for the work that you all do. Thank you. Well, our guest today on Licensed to Parent has been Rosaria Butterfield. Her latest book is Five Lies of Our Anti-Christian Age, and you can connect with Rosaria and find out more information about her ministry. Go to rosariabutterfield.com. Thanks for listening to Licensed to Parent. If you have a question about raising teens today, even difficult teens, send us your question, radio at licensedtoparent.org. We want to help you, and Trace just might answer your question on an upcoming broadcast. We are inching closer and closer to closing out 2023. 
Would you consider Shepherds Hill Academy when giving this year? You know, each year we at Shepherds Hill Academy welcome teens who have spiraled into crisis. And many times we are their parents' last resort. Because of generous givers, we've continued to love untroubled teens and their parents through our therapeutic boarding school. And we're helping them through life and also pointing them to the Savior. If you believe in what we are doing here at Shepherds Hill Academy, would you consider giving a gift at this year end? Simply go to licensedaparent.org and click donate. Thanks to our team for making today possible. Our producer is Rich Rosel. Carl Peets is our technical producer. For Trace Embry, I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.